Do you hear that? Presenting a bold new adventure into Lovecraftian horror and black comedy, the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's acclaimed second series, The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Sold to the woman in green. Estelle Thorpe has made a precarious purchase. Get anything good? Contents of automobile trunk, back seat, and glove box, unsorted. Mmm, riveting. But this auction win is more than it seems. A deranged man tried to outbid me. He confronted me afterwards. That box you bought? Burn it if you know what's good for you. He who is not to be named killed those boys and it's my fault. Just like he's gonna kill you. To solve the paranormal mystery she's uncovered, Estelle assembles an unlikely crew of curiosity seekers. Moses Cubbenfield, a renowned mountain man author. Estelle, ma'am, I, I, I promise that if you are trying to win me over, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. Cherry Featherbottom, a flapper who's more than she seems. I'm gonna just be upstairs cleaning my gun. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? <laughs> Oswald Sinclair, Hobo King. That's not jam. That is definitely the opposite of jam. That is people jam. Anjana Ramakrishnan, Estelle's partner in a cult adventure. You summoned a demon and you don't remember it, darling. No firearms. Not right now. And Kenneth Rogers, a notorious gambler. I can play cards any old day, but chicken lunch at Thorpe Manor? Mm-mm. That sounds like a mighty fine time, I tell you what. Together, they encounter monsters above and below, and an unholy conspiracy that threatens to shred their sanity to tatters. This is startling and strange, but darling, we might be onto something here. This is why we came to Arkham, after all. Not for murderous grave robbers and disappearing children. The Necronomicon. Whatever your intent with this book, I caution you, and say with all certainty, you will find more danger than answers. You brought me back. You, you all brought me back. Brought you back from what? This is not our world. This is not our world at all. When the dance is done, and his infernal song rings loudest, there will be no lewd carnality denied to us. You leap onto this thing's back and bury your hatchet in its neck. He howls. I will eat you. Dear Lord, what happened to you? It's take too long to explain. We gotta get to get to the hospital. I'll tell you what right now, we, we can't go to the police with this. Yeah, I expect you're right. They'll put us in the sanitarium. I The air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. In this program, our cast actually lives the terror. It's an improvised audio drama that uses Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and the wits of our players to weave these uncanny tales. This is a cinematic radio play where anything can happen, and these poor souls never know what's going to crawl out of the darkness. Discover The Terrible Secret of Lot X, the entire second series now available on your favorite podcast player. Just search for The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program or unlock all our secrets at CthulhuMystery.com. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Electric Sisterhood, and On Mystery Head proudly present No Points, No Race. 
Wenches, welcome to episode 304 of No Borders, No Race. I am your King Davy Duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. The anime season this fall is coming in strong with plenty of returning series. But the one that's most buzzed right now is the return of Bleach. People have been waiting for this series to come back and be fully animated. And now everyone is excited. Well, okay. Not everyone's excited. The exception, me. You know why I'm not excited for Bleach's return? Because I remember how the manga ended. And last I checked, that ending was pretty terrible. And most of my friends who were into Bleach were also pretty disappointed with it. It felt rushed, and it had characters doing things that went against their character arcs. So... Excuse me if I have zero interest in the return of Bleach. But do you know what I am interested in? Chainsaw Man! Despite the flaws of the manga, the first episode and its second episode were awesome. Now I see why it took two years for it to come out. I'm hoping MAPPA will fix the flaws of the manga the same way they fixed the issues with Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and their movie adaptation. You will definitely read our review of Chainsaw Man on the B3 site in a few weeks, but do catch up on my pieces on the original manga for the time being. But there is so much goodness that is happening this anime season, so much, in fact, that I'm going to highlight two new anime in today's podcast. One involving maids, and another about a cat girl and her talking weapon. And on this week's Bastard Soapbox, the state of professional wrestling. But first, let's get the playlist rolling. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. We're going to start today's show with a band that I haven't played in years. Seven, if you want me to be specific. And to be honest, I didn't even think they were still together. It's Love Psychedelico, who just released their eighth album, A Revolution. And from that record is Hallelujah to You. A boy in a Good to fast. 
Chilling around at Scarlet Rhapsody, we are an independent web zone covering conventions across the country. Scarlet Rhapsody breaks it down for you: the guests, the dealers, the culture, the cosplay, the trending fandoms, and what makes a convention worth the price of admission. Are you convention cultured? You will be. Visit us on the web at scarlet-rhapsody.com, Facebook at Scarlet Rhapsody Media, Twitter at Cons and Churros. YouTube at Scarlet Rhapsody Convention Cultured. And remember, the con is what you make of it, so make it a good one. See you at the con.
with Lorelai in the Eyes from this year's album Parfait Tone. The duo has been known to keep their identity secret, but in the past year, we've seen them throw away their masks to show the world who they really are. You know, I don't know. I kind of liked the mystique of Clarice, but this is coming from someone who is still burnt over having the front man of Ghost unmasked. When I first heard about PA Works and Side Games teaming up again for a new anime, I instantly got excited. The last time they worked together was with the first season of Uma Musume Pretty Derby, an anime that should have been stupid, but wound up being one of the best series of 2018. Once the name of the show was revealed, Akiba Made War, I was ready to embrace another show that could be stupid, but also flat out brilliant. And then, the very first episode hit. Akiba Made War is not a stupid anime. Not by a long shot. It is, by definition, a show that pulled the wool over our eyes and gave us something truly original. The last time an anime has done this to me was, again, back in 2018, when Lurche unleashed their god-tier adaptation of Asobi Asobasi. And my reaction to the show right now is an uncomfortable sort of love, and I will explain why in a moment. So, Akibimai War focuses on Nagomi, a girl who has just moved to Akihabara so she can live the dream of working in a maid cafe. She gets a job at a peg-themed one called Oinky Doink Cafe, alongside other newcomer Ranko, who is 35 years old and has no moe moe cuteness in her exterior. But that's okay, because Oinky Doink needs someone like Ranko for some of the cafe's other side hustles. One of those side hustles involves battling out with other maid cafes, and after a bunny girl cafe patron harms Nagomi, Ranko pulls out her gun and blows her brains out. The blood spurts out from her forehead and sprays all over Nagomi's uniform, all with a cartoonish Looney Tunes-like whistling for the blood spewing. The other bunny girls try to kill the two of them, but Ranko paints the streets of Akihabara with their blood, all in sync with an idle dance number. Watching the first episode of Akiba Made War was like being hit by a bus and then having a plane crash right on top of said bus, and then a meteorite crashing into the plane and incinerating everything in its path. It is batshit insane and unpredictable, and like Chainsaw Man, it goes all in for the violence, something that I never would have expected from the same studio that gave us stuff like Sakura Quest, Shirobako, and the lesbian aquarium show, The Aquatope on White Sand. This is PA Works going back to what they did with their adaptation of the novel Another, which still has some of the most fucked up death scenes in any form of anime. I was in shock over the first couple of episodes as the body count rose for the girls at Oinky Doink Cafe. The casino episode was mentally insane as each girl lost their freedom one by one. The boxing one? Okay, the boxing one was legit hilarious. Was the best one yet. But honestly, there were times where I felt weird watching Akiba Made War. And that's where the uncomfortable parts come into play. Viewing this anime is a lot like watching either 
Terry Gilliam's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, or the Sadfi Brothers' Uncut Gems. How each episode is framed and how the sound is mixed makes it feel like you're not just watching what's happening on screen, you're right next to Nagomi with your jaw hitting the floor. As each episode ends, my brain has no idea how to properly process what I just watched. And for a show to make me feel this way is rare. But I come back to it every week to watch the mayhem unfold. I Keep It Made War is a show I intend to see to its conclusion, as I have no freaking clue what an endgame for a story about violent maid girls would even be like. But I look forward to it, and I hope you listeners do as well. I Keep It Made War can be viewed on High Dive with a physical release later on by Sentai Filmworks. Coming up, we have Iranian-American performer Sefer Mashiov. And I apologize if I butchered that. But she is better known under her alias, The Bedroom Witch. With loud synth beats comes a song from her upcoming album, A Place to Heart, which arrives on November 4th. The album has songs dealing with abandonment, self-sabotage, and finding love as a trans woman who feels outside of society. From A Place to Heart, here's The Bedroom Witch with In This City. In This City so quiet when you leave me I feel like I'm dying In the city It's neither a heaven nor hell For you Watching 
community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern.
Fans of the film Bullet Train will recognize that Japanese rendition of the Bee Gees staying alive. But did you know that it's Avu-chan from Queen Bee singing it? Avu-chan has had quite the year thanks to her work in the excellent Misaki Yuasa film Inu-o, as well as unleashing new tracks with Queen Bee in the Anna Song realm. If you've been following me and our friend AFLM from Wicked Anime, you know we both share a big love for Catgirls. Sure, other Dobutsumimi girls will come around to steal our hearts, but Catgirls will always have the number one spot. This season on High Dive, we may very well have found the most precious and, at the same time, badass Catgirls to come around these parts in almost a decade. Her name is Fran, and she is one half of the heroic duo in the series Reincarnated as a Sword. The other half is an unnamed protagonist who dies in a car accident and gets reincarnated into another world. You know, blah, 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 same old, same old thing you get with the isekai stuff. But instead of becoming a hero, he instead comes back as a sentient weapon, a powerful, legendary sword. Before Fran enters the picture, the sword goes on to level up on its own, bettering himself in the art of sword fighting, magic, healing, and even the culinary arts. But after pushing himself too far, he gets stuck a la Sword in the Stone styled and is forced to wait for a worthy wielder. That's where Fran comes in. She's a cat girl who was sold into slavery after her parents died. She has sworn to become a great adventurer and evolve in a way that no other in her race has ever done before. But all hope is lost for Fran due to her current situation, until that sentient sword comes in. With her might, Fran pulls out the sword and slays a two-headed bear to rescue the other slaves. After being freed from slavery, Fran names the sword Shisho, one of the Japanese words for teacher and the two head off towards great adventures. What makes Reincarnated as a sword unique is the partnership between Shisho and Fran. Although there are many other shows where a human is paired with an animal person in another world, this is the first, to my knowledge, of the human turning into an animal person's weapon. And Shisho is a pretty badass weapon, one who can take his mana, and boost his attack level to over a thousand with ease. He's also very funny, with his monologues in the first episode leading up to meeting Fran being both entertaining and the right kind of silly. And then there's Fran. With Shisho unsheathed, the small cat girl can slaughter a plethora of monsters and goblins, and um, even slice the feet off of a bullying adventurer who tries to steal her much-deserved earnings. Her skills that got her into the Adventures Guild are also very impressive, all of which are captured well by animation studio C2C, who seem to be putting their all into this to repent for their awful hockey anime, Pride of Orange. But when not ready to fight, Friend is simply adorable. If Fran wore a cinnamon roll, she'd be a flower bakery one. Her cuteness is addictive as she embraces her new life and surroundings with the same wonder and excitement as a child going to Disney World for the first time. She's also very humble 
as her gratefulness for every small thing she's given or earned is a sign that she is in a much better place now that Shisho is in her life. Honestly, this pairing of Talking Weapon and Catgirl is one of this season's, if not years, most delightful. It's surprising that we're getting this level of originality in a subgenre that sometimes feels like it's overstated. It's welcome. While I do enjoy the isekai genre, I do think that they make far too many another world shows, manga, and light novels to the point where it's getting pretty damn tedious. But reincarnated as a sword somehow makes the isekai subgenre feel new again, all thanks to its high-octane action, and delightful characters. Once you take that first step with Fran and Shisho, you'll never want to turn back. Give it a watch on High Dive and see why Reincarnated as a Sword is one of this season's most wonderful anime. Orai-sama are back with a short groove on the dance floor in the form of the EP Trek Trunk. From that record is Nightbeat.
Coming to you live from Tokyo, Japan, a year end special. And I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold. And you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese. Uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow. Maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show. Yes, tune in. We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool. And you can hear more good songs just like this. Oh, 
left her shattered for the rest of her life. And he was caught, caught, marshaled and shot. They say he wouldn't make it home to his wife. But she would crawl out of the rubble of Berlin. Beautiful, austere and an old man. And she would wander like a Romani to so many cities. She never called home. Set a record, record Do you wanna see the parachute fly? Do what you're told, I got your service revolver Now is it worth it to die? I said record, record Do you wanna see the parachute drop? Well, I got two arms on the knees So you can focus on that And I never Brand new song from Chris Connolly that was Ripcord Ripcord. His next album, Eulogy to Krista, a tribute to the music and mystique of Nico, is a nod to the underappreciated performer who acted as the muse of the Velvet Underground. Eulogy to Krista arrives in stores on November 11th. Hope you're hungry for something local because it's time for another serving of the Beantown Sampler. Flat Swamp members Theo Harlett and Morgan Luzzi were on the lookout for a new drummer, and they found one in a person they've admired for a long time, Grass's Green member Jesse Weiss. The three formed the band Pet Fox, who unleashed their debut album in 2018. Their latest album, A Face in Your Life, was released this past June, recorded at Somerville's new Alliance Audio. From that release, here's Pet Fox with Only Warning.
Hi, everybody. This is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them... Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time. I made a big mistake. I made a big mistake. I am ashamed. I made a big mistake. Get away from me. I made this mistake a thousand times. Exactly the same. I never change. I made a big mistake. 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 Oh, oh. I made a big mistake, I'm sorry now I made a big mistake, see my bare ways This was my last, never make you sad I mean it now, this time I'm sure I made a big mistake, I made a big mistake
From 2007's Transworld Ultra Rock, that was Electric Eel Shock with a big mistake. EES has kept themselves busy with many shows across Japan, although no word yet on when they might find themselves doing overseas concerts again. And now, folks, it's time for a sports entertainment edition of A Bastard Soapbox. For the last three years, I have found myself back in the realm of professional wrestling. And it's all thanks to the new blood that's been pumping through the scene via all elite wrestling. Not only do we have some great new faces like Darby Allin, Hook, and the newly crowned and much-deserved All-Atlantic Champion Orange Cassidy, but we've also got legends like Chris Jericho, Sting, and Samoa Joe in the mix to kind of guide the new guys to big heights. Their shows are fun and exciting, and I like the storytelling that goes on, especially now with MGF and his moment to try to get the World Championship belt. But when I was younger, it was all about the WWF for me, now called the WWE because pandas! And I grew up on the likes of The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Generation X, and The Rock. I also enjoyed ECW but it was getting harder to find a place to watch it when then-Esquire channel TNN ended their contract with it. As for WCW, they had some good wrestlers, but their storylines were very weak. But as the story goes, WWE bought both companies, and neither are going on to this very day. When they bought their competitors, I expected there to be a lot more creativity in the mix. Some good rivalries and the like. Unique matches. Instead, it was around that time when WWE storytelling started to get stale. In fact, I began to notice that they started repeating old stories, but with different wrestlers. And it was around 2002 when I just stopped watching it. Because whatever light that was keeping my interest flickering was snuffed out. With my love for wrestling back in focus, I decided to give WWE another shot. So I sat and watched all three hours of Raw, the episode that came after the return of Bray Wyatt, whose comeback everyone was talking about. And for those entire three hours, I didn't feel a single ounce of excitement running through me. It wasn't because I was unfamiliar with these wrestlers, I knew plenty about them through video highlights and interviews, but watching Raw, these wrestlers and their promos felt very, very rusty. It took almost 30 minutes before we even saw the first match of that night, and the first half hour was spent on a poor promo by the Bloodline and highlights from the previous pay-per-view. The fact that it took almost 5 minutes for the Bloodline to just make it down to the ring showed that there wasn't much planned out for their promo. And it showed as Roman, the Usos, and Sami Zayn stumbled their way through a bit involving a match that would have wind up happening later on that night with, I can't remember his name, some surfer dude kind of guy. There was the tension between Rey Mysterio Jr. and his son, but that moment felt a little forced. The Miz's birthday bit was kind of boring. It was cool seeing Seth Rollins win a championship again, and the main thing of the night, the Degeneration X reunion, was too short and looked 
more sad than nostalgic. Perhaps I'm being too quick to judge, as I only watched one episode of Raw. But that's the thing. It sometimes takes one episode to make or break your interest. When I first turned on AEW Dynamite in 2019, there was a fire that started burning in my brain over the sight of the inner circle. Darby Allin, Best Friends, and even Cody Rhodes, who would go back to WWE earlier this year. It had my attention right at the get-go, and it has kept my attention these last three years. Meanwhile, WWE just looks uninspired. I know that Triple H is trying to revamp the brand now that Vince McMahon has stepped down, and I know revamping takes time, but their biggest problem right now is the fact that they are trying to be more about the entertainment than wrestling. It is clear that entertainment comes first before the sport aspect in that company. But doing that not only harms the WWE, but also professional wrestling as a whole. I love All Elite Wrestling because I get at least two pay-per-view worthy matches each show. Their wrestlers are very talented, and they find ways to keep the excitement at high levels, even if it risks an injury, which I'm going to talk about towards the end in relation to that. But that's the life of a wrestler who pushes their body to the brink of exhaustion for their fans. And I see that commitment in the eyes of practically every wrestler in AEW's roster. Even their promos know how to grab their audience's attention. Watch the recent promo between MJF and William Regal and you'll understand why people are in awe of it. Is AEW perfect? Absolutely not. They have their own flaws. I think their women's division needs more love, with it feeling like it's all focused now on tag team matches than singles. I'll even argue that the women's division hasn't been strong since Hikaru Shida was women's champion. I was also going to say something about Jade Cargill's undefeated TBS championship reign, but now I'm curious to see what happens now that Nyla Rose stole the belt from her. The other thing I don't like about AEW is they are now putting strong singles competitors together into unnecessary tag teams. We had Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland as tag team champions, but they're much better as singles competitors. And now we have TNT champion Wardlow and Ring of Honor TV champion Samoa Joe becoming a tag team, which really doesn't make much sense. Honestly, the problem is that AEW's roster is currently bloated, and the problem might be solved once Ring of Honor starts up again on television eventually. My point is that despite their current problems, I still enjoy watching All Elite Wrestling. And right now, WWE at its strongest isn't as satisfying as All Elite Wrestling when they're just doing okay. I want both companies to succeed, as wrestling fans win when every company's doing good. But right now, I just don't see myself going back to WWE. Maybe it needs a little more time under Triple H's wing, but unless they put more focus back into wrestling the same way AEW does, then I don't think I can try watching it again. You can call me a mark, you can call me an AEW fanboy, I don't care. When a wrestling show can't hold my attention, then it's the fault of the show, not me. So please, World Wrestling Entertainment, 
be better, do better. And you can start by putting the sports in sports entertainment first. And with that, I shall step off my soapbox. Remember, these are the opinions of me and not of anyone else within the Electric Sisterhood. If you have a problem with what I say, then take it up with me and not with the Black Compat Sisters. Now, I almost scrapped this segment after what happened with Hangman Adam Page this week. As wrestling fans may know, Hangman took a really bad bump on the last episode of AEW Dynamite in a championship match against Jon Moxley. A lot of people even thought he broke his neck, seeing as how they were even showing what was going on in the ring. Fortunately, he didn't break his neck. He did get a concussion, which is still no laughing matter. Adam Cole is still out from a concussion with no sign yet as to when he'll be getting back into the ring. Wrestling can be dangerous, as people have become paralyzed or have had brain damage because of the poorly timed risks that they pull. That's why I don't take anyone seriously when they don't take wrestling seriously. Because even though things are scripted, these people put their bodies on the line for the sake of their audience. Right now, all I can say is a strong get well soon to Hangman Adam Page. He's an awesome wrestler, and I hope when he's cleared to wrestle again, that championship gold will be in his grasp. Do follow him on Twitter. I did like his thank you note to his fans after this whole thing happened. He even tells a little joke there. So he is in very good spirits. But for now, let us head back to the playlist. From Glasgow, Scotland comes a band brimming with positivity. Starry Skies. Their fourth album, Small Wonders, was just released and was mastered by Frank Arkwright, who also used his skills for such bands as Blur, Primal Scream, and Oasis, just to name a few. Here are Starry Skies with Spitfire Susie. Susie was just a little girl, she was raised in a city hotel. Her mom and daddy would serve the guests each time they rang the bell. A tiny kid, she sure had the brains and dreamed of being a teacher one day. She got her degree at the university and it was no surprise that they said, Spitfire Susie. She knows how to do it Spitfire Susan Everybody knew it And then when the war came along And she was called away To crawl inside the cockpits of the planes To fix the damage of the day It was lonely all on her own But she read literature at night now and then she would talk to the pilots that she helped lift to the sky. Spitfire Susie, she knows how to do it. Spitfire Susie, everybody knew it. When the peace came, then came the chance to teach at a primary school. In a little mining village away from the death, she passed the young children the tools. Known as Miss Ross by thousands all over, but Susie to only a few. So many people were privileged to learn from her as a century flew. Spitfire Susie, she knows how to do it. Spitfire Susie, everybody knew it.
was close to a hundred years old That's when we became friends Kind of funny to many, I guess Cause he became a teacher again To a singer who was blind to the good That he could do by looking outside Of a world that was based on the glitter and glory And the falsehood of pride Spit by Susan She knows how to do it Spit by Susan Everybody knew it He would help her and that would help him A couple of cooks on the run He'd take her the morning papers each day To read in the afternoon sun Lest we not be directly taught In helping another get by Teaches you something about yourself Heals all the tears, never cry <laughs> Freedom. Knowledge. The Abstract Japan Podcast at abstractjapan.com.
Fish with Shake, taken from this year's 13 EP. And in a huge surprise, brothers Yuki and Kazuki Ozaki have brought their previous band, Galileo Galilei, back from the dead. They'll be hitting the road this coming spring in a tour named Bees and the Whale, which might also be the name of their next album. So, Akiba Meido Sensu wa Futsu no PA Waksa Aname Dewa Ari Masen. Sono Akarui Gaikan wa Kuraibo Ryoko no Monogatari ga Kakusarete imas. Shikashi Akushunga Hitosuru to Totomo Minai Dewa Irare Masen. Akiba Meido Sensu wa Kureyui ni Hardcore Aname ni ブンルイサレルベキです。異世界は疲れるジャンルはこの知らないが、天性したら剣でしたはまだ生きていることを示していますまだ生きていることを示していますライバルのオーアリートレスリングのようなエネルギーと楽しさが欠けていますスポーツエンターテインメントの中のスポーツにも一度力を注ぐことができればWWEは再び強くなるでしょうそれまでは、ただ退屈なだけです my thanks to Mikio Hattori-sensei of the Cultural Exchange Initiative for helping to translate this part for me. Remember, if you'd like to know more information on the CEI, be sure to visit their website at ceinitiative.org. You can also follow CE Initiative on Instagram and Facebook. Rei Takahashi has had quite the year, with her currently playing the main character of Eileen in the delightful comedy I'm the Villainous, So I'm Taming the Final Boss. Right now, we're going to the most recent end theme collection from Karakai Jozo no Takagi-san with her rendition of a song by the band Bump of Chicken. This is Tentai Konsoku. Baby, don't you miss you, 
Yeah. 
They're Swedish and Swiss, but this song is in German. Catapult with Shadel. Here's what frontman Johan Nordstrom has to say about that song. Quote, Shadel is a trustfall for me, so don't screw me over, Felix. But yeah, singing in German was definitely a challenge for someone who only took one semester of German in school. And that's what, 25 years ago? Fuck, I'm old. End quote. Their new album, Play Stupid Games, Win Stupid Prizes, arrives on November 25th. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders, No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos from the Boston Basher Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbastardbrigade.com, like us on facebook.com slash bostonbastardbrigade, and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, the J-Pop Video Games Anime Amino pages, Instagram, and Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at BlackCompat.com, Twitch.tv slash BlackCompat, and YouTube.com slash BlackCompat. Promotional consideration provided for this week's tracks from Chris Conley and Starry Skies, made possible by Shameless Promotion PR, and a very special thank you to The Speed of Sound for their contribution to Shameless Tuesdays. And shout out to Kabar PR for the sounds of A Bedroom Witch and Catapult. We're ending things with the return of NanoRipe, who just released their latest album, Fuminsho no Neko Toyoro. From that album is Picado. And until next time, this is your King Baby Duck reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard, but it sure helps.
Hey guys, this is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com, CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bash Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can.